Hello and welcome. This is Michael Banks. I am the host of the podcast series Heroic Journeys from Crisis to Transformation. And my guest today is Kimberly Penhalo. Welcome, Kimberly. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Good. I'm pleased to hear that. You look good. I can see Kimberly. I know you can't. <laughs> Um, Kimberly is, describes herself as resilient, joyful, and driven. She is the CEO of Kimberly Penhalo Consulting, a certified executive and leadership coach with a master's in organizational development. Kimberly is a leadership team and organizational development expert committed to advancing modern leadership and supporting women in their careers. She has 20 years of professional experience as a trusted advisor for C-suite executives at nonprofits, startups, and Fortune 500 companies. Kimberly's also an athlete. She's become an avid runner in her 40s and ran her first marathon last year. And Kimberly is a bit of a team and lead whisperer. She hears what is spoken and not spoken. Well, Kimberly, uh, can you sort of elaborate on that last uh, point that you make about uh, a team and lead whisperer. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's this whole concept out there now of uh, the superpower, right? Like, what's everybody's superpower? And I think um, through the years, uh, you know, I've worked for over 20 years inside companies as consultants. Um, I've worked in high tech in a research company, in uh, a healthcare company, and nonprofits, global nonprofits. And that perspective has provided me the ability to literally hear what people are saying, but there's so much more that is happening within a, a person who's leading or a team member that is unspoken. Um, it's those under the table, um, subtle, maybe micro messages that are sent through body language or the lack of communication or the omission. And um, that is probably what I think about as one of my superpowers is how do I help primarily women in their careers hear what is said directly to them from their teens or from their um, you know, managers, et cetera, but also what's actually happening behind the scenes that for whatever reason is not spoken. Um, it could be the most impactful, like important moment in a team. It could be something that there are, they want to celebrate, but perhaps aren't saying. And, um, and I hear all that and I see all that. And in some way, I hope that I'm able to convey that in a way that allows teams and leaders to, to meet and to celebrate or to move forward. Um, and I also think if you kind of extrapolate that, that's also what happens in our, in our culture and in our communities, in our families. It's what we say, but it's also what we don't say um, that has impact on the longevity and the way in re which relationships move and change. Um, so that's what I mean about that. And, and it's interesting, I kind of, had that realization through a process of actually design, having my website be designed and I hired an incredible woman um, and she was interviewing some of my former clients and one of the pieces uh, of feedback that I received was around this concept of what I bring to the table. Um, 
because as you're launching a business, you're trying to figure out what's your niche and all that like business jargon. But um, it came from people that I'd been working with. And I realized like, oh, yeah, you're right, actually, because I've been in so many different environments and I've kind of seen the impact good um, that this is part of my superpower that I bring to the big bad world out there. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting, especially in the context of a society uh, that I believe at the moment is becoming perhaps less or more inhibited uh, because Correct. of pol political correctness and people are scared of being really telling their truth in case they might yep. get uh, lambasted, whether it's on social media or elsewhere. So, yep. so, so therefore, maybe there's more suppression of what's really going on. And you're, you're, what you're doing is you're basically allowing people to uh, uh, open up and be more honest and open with, with each mm -hmm. other, with themselves even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes, yes. And I, you know, if you look at the statistics around women in leadership roles, the percentages are ghastly, right? So as I'm coaching women and working with women, regardless of where they are in your career, like, and I use the word leadership liberally, I don't necessarily always associate it with titles, although I do coach CEOs, but I think women at any point in their career, like I was at a running camp and there was a, uh, there was a woman in her teens and she was leading us through a strength um, timed workout. And that is leadership. But I think women based on what's happening in society, there's so many external reasons why being able to hear, but also say with courage and conviction what they're thinking and what their ideas of moving forward and what their visions are for their life um, is can be threatening right now. Um, and you compound that with the levels of diversity, it gets even more complex. So I really want to honor in my work, women having the ability regardless of where they are as a leader in their career, in their life, um, through the sectionality of diversity to, 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 to be able to do that. Um, Great. Okay, good. Well, I know that you've been on a heck of a journey uh, over the last few years. Mm. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I think that uh, the theme of this podcast series is is, as you know, uh, from crisis to transformation of the heroic journey. And uh, yeah. you certainly, in my book, you definitely come through crisis and transformed yourself. So we're going to be hearing about that over the next uh, while. Um, so a question I'd like to ask you to sort of really kick this topic off with is, um, can you tell me about a time in your life when you had a sort of aha moment which changed you in a very significant way? Uh, yes, I can. And uh, before I get to the answer, I will say that this is actually the first time that I've spoken publicly about this moment. Um, I've spoken with friends, with my therapist at nauseum, um, with family. But to put this out in the world, I think, is uh, critical for me in terms of my trans my continued transformation. Um, and I would. <laughs> So, Michael, thank you for honoring um, this in this podcast. And I, uh, here I go. Um, so I actually wouldn't say it's an aha moment. It was a holy mother of God. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, level me to my knees within a second. Um, it was my 39th birthday. <clears throat> and, um, whew, that's water. 
And I got a call uh, that um, basically rocked my world at 39 on September 25th. And uh, my father had committed suicide. And for anybody who has lost anyone from suicide, it, um, this was a complete shock and something that I would never have seen coming. Um, it was as, uh, as now that several years later, it's kind of what I see as the start of very significant change, um, unexpected, some um, moving to expected change in my life when I lost the most important person and the most important man in my life was my dad. And um, to receive that call changed my, the course of my life. Um, and I think I will continue as I grow older to understand how in different ways. Um, I definitely, after that, was kind of the walking personification of the freaking stages of grief by Cooper Ross. I didn't, um, you know, there was shock, denial, anger, and just complete sadness and loss for something and uh, that I had no idea that would happen. Um, it changed me. It changed our family. Um, there isn't a morning that I don't wake up and have to remind myself that it was a freak coincidence that it was on my birthday, right? So there's so many different layers of guilt that you can, anybody who's a survivor of suicide has, and every situation is different. The only thing that's the same is there can't be any judgment about how anybody handles um, and grapples with the reality of losing someone's suicide. Um, it's different for everybody. Um, and I have to every day realize that this will be the one at this point, hopefully the one and only thing in my life that I will never have answers to. Um, and I have to consistently accept and love my father that's the choice I made right that's the choice I make every day to love him for who he was when he's here to love him um, for what he taught me about um, really showing up in the world and to the best of someone's capabilities and what he taught me about being an entrepreneur about being a daughter about being courageous um, you know And about speaking about losing him, um, nobody, and I think now, even in the last probably like five to seven years, the concept of mental health uh, has become more um, quote unquote mainstream and in vogue. It's not freaking in vogue. It's critical to supporting people. Um, and so the, that was the moment in my life where things changed and I didn't know how they were changing. And I think that has that realization of feeling like I have no freaking idea how, how this happened, why it happened and what the hell am I supposed to do now without my father? Um, 
changed the course of my life. Like, you know, I probably, I don't know, spin out. I wasn't act, I didn't act out necessarily, but I definitely, um, so scared of losing anybody else that I was holding on to relationships so tightly that I probably was suffocating them. Um, you know, I was struggling in a marriage. I, uh, wanted so deeply to love and to know that love doesn't disappear. Um, and I know that love doesn't disappear from my dad because he keeps showing up in different ways and he showed up at really critical times in my life. And it's probably one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing even now. Um, he and my mom, uh, have been huge impacts, you know, in my life. Um, so that was, that was a moment that changed the course of my, of my life. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you've had some time now to, you know, some time has passed since that occurred. Yeah. Yep. And since, since then you've, uh, my understanding is you've been, you've learned, you've changed your life in, in, in quite a few significant ways. Um, yeah. do you think in retrospect, what, talking now, what did you, what did uh, losing your father teach you um, about life? And what did I mean? Was, was it about, I mean, you said it was a, a shock. It was out of the blue. Um, it was a complete change of, of your whole reality in a sense. Um, you also you've come through. So it obviously resilience. Yeah. You talked yeah. about, you know, like you describe yourself as resilient, mm -hmm. joyful and driven. I mean, yeah. you must have huge resilience to get through that. Can you, I mean, yeah. am I right? Yes. I, yes, I do. <laughs> um, and I think I laugh because I'm, uh, you know, uncomfortable to talk about myself. It's un uncomfortable, right? Like I'm a coach. So I talk, I help other women talk about themselves. Um, uh, so yeah, I am extremely resilient and I think I, uh, have worked really hard to do a couple of really significant things that continue to change my life. I, um, have built an incredible rekindled and built an incredible support system, um, in New York, but of my friends through different parts of my life who give me so much joy and no bullshit and unrequited love and support. And, um, and are there and, to get that, I had to start to reach out, right? Like there's a point for me, part of my journey was a bit of isolation, right? Because I was so freaking shocked that all I could do was in some way, step one for me was like protect myself. And that meant not letting a lot of people in. Right. And, um, so I've moved through that and have this incredible community and, and, and I decided like to choose joy, like, and to be radical in my decisions and to realize like what wasn't fitting, no matter how hard I tried or how hard I loved. Right. So, um, in probably I was thinking about this as like, 
I was prepping to talk with you, Michael, probably in less than a year. Um, and it wasn't, it was about five years after my dad passed away. Um, I uh, had this realization that my marriage to someone who I still care deeply for and mean no harm to um, and only want him to have a full life, despite all the things that happened in our marriage. Um, but it was time to get a divorce. And I remember the day that I had to walk into couples counseling and actually say those words. My dad appeared. There was um, someone who was in harm's way. And I saw it like literally on the corner of our therapist um, block in New York City on the Upper East Side. And I was like, that is my dad. That is my dad coming to me to say, you can do this. You can choose joy. You're at a crossroads and you're going to be okay. And that that moment, I also in that time frame was realizing like where I was working wasn't the fit. I felt like confined and I couldn't do what all the things I wanted to do. And um, I decided to launch my own business. It's like I was making radical changes like in a short period of time because I just wasn't fitting. Right. So some were unexpected changes. Some were some plan changes. And and I boldly was like, I'm going to throw it all up in the air and I will, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to start a new life, redefine my life as a single woman in my mid forties in New York city. I am going to stand on my own two feet. I'm going to walk away from like the traditional check and the health insurance and just do the work that I want to be doing and uh, commit to that, commit to, to me and to my voice and to my talent. And um, if I draw some threads to my life as a whole, my parents were pretty radical back in the day. They left New York, they drew, drove to Vermont, they owned a hard, they opened a hardware store. Like my parents were entrepreneurs and they can, my mother continues to be this like leader in her community and do what's right for people. And, um, that I made that decision, you know, and, uh, I also was <clears throat> like, uh, I was, I also was reading Shonda Rhimes, who I love. I love all of her shows. I love ER. I love all the medical shows, like everything she's written. I love it. I love her. I love what she stands for. I love her voice. And this was about the time when she came out with uh, the book of yes, that, that was it. Say yes. A year. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, I'm channeling Shonda Rhimes. I'm going to say yes. She wrote in her book about how scared she was to be interviewed. I was like, I, there's not a moment I wake up in the morning and I'm like, not slightly, completely out of my comfort zone, but um, I just embraced it. I was, you know, and, and got the right people around me, friends, family members who just were like, well, yeah, of course, this is, yeah it's about time you know you've worked in a lot of different places you haven't been happy and we want you to be happy and um and the other I think significant piece for me was I realized I was disconnected from myself physically and I wasn't exercising I wasn't really moving my body I was really stuck in my head and 
uh, you know, in my mid thirties, I like, I like to describe it as I was like dating running. It's like dating running and doing New York Roadrunners races and like flirting and dating. And I'd be like running well. And then I'd be like, meh, over you, whatever. Ta-ta. And uh, I was like, you know, I, I kind of like the dating. So maybe I should marry running. So I decided to run my first marathon and marry running. And um, as it felt like my my marriage and that life and that community and that vision of what I thought my life would be like was imploding. I was now in retrospect, I was like building this new life, this new love for New York city. That was mine, like all mine, um, meeting new women, new men, learning from these expert runners about running of which I don't know diddly buckets about, you know, like I was never an athlete. I, you know, I was a theater music person, like give me a microphone and I could rock it, but lacing up shoes and understanding what to eat and training that was like totally out of my scope. Um, and, and it has enriched my life. So like get, Marrying running through my divorce has been one of the, like, such a gift to me. Um, and, you know, it's just something I absolutely love to do. It's where sometimes I feel the strongest. It's where I get clarity. Um, it's what kicks my hiney. It, it's what at the end of a run sometimes makes me want to throw up and go eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich about 15 times or three burgers, but it's, um, it's brought me joy and continues to bring me joy. Um, and you know, those are, I don't know, those are three huge things that have kind of been part of my transformation, right? Like, um, yeah. Amazing. And, well, and I hadn't, uh, you know, it's like, I, life, technology, we, I don't always connect all these dots, right? And I want to say, this has been, thinking through these questions and just connecting all of this is, um, has been just really powerful for me to see my journey from, you know, <laughs> Phoenix rising, like I'm going to come up from the ashes. Like, but it, it's, it's something that I would hope that I do with some of the women I work with. And it has reminded me the importance of, uh, of really honoring the, the challenges and the, and the crisis or whatever term, right. Um, and, and where I am and, and, and choosing joy for God's sakes, choosing like joy and happiness and goofiness. And like, you know, I wear gold glitter on my eyes every single time I run. I like, it's just choosing joy when, um, You know, maybe in 2011, I wouldn't have ever thought that this would have been my life, right? And um, and I think maybe part of it is I might be trying to honor just like what I would hope my dad would want me to be, which is like a joyful human being who's trying to 
live truthfully and lovingly in this really complicated world right now. Um, yeah, I yeah, I tell you what the, uh, the 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 word that keeps on coming through that I'm hearing, yeah. Kim, Kimberly, is the fact that you made a choice. You've made choices. You've basically yeah. taken ownership for your for your life, rather than mm-hmm. being a victim of the circumstances which couldn't have been worse. Yeah, you chose to take yeah. your life in a in a better direction, a new direction, which is fantastic and and very helpful for people to know to be reminded as well that they have a choice we all have a choice so when we're in yeah. the middle of the those hard times whatever form that takes then we do have right. a choice yeah and you know i think one uh my choices to some people might seem like radical choices you know but choices can be incremental, right? It could be, I am not going to return that call or I'm going to have a different conversation with a friend or it, it, it doesn't have to be because my life could look like some pretty massive shifts, right? But the choice can be in degrees that work for whoever is needing to make the choice. Um, anything else? Yeah, absolutely. You also, it's interesting, you said to me, uh, um, earlier that you, well, you, you described that you hadn't really reinvented your life so much as rediscovered who you really were. You've come back, it's yeah. like you've come back to yourself. The, the, the Kimberly that was always there, that somehow yeah. got, got, you lost your way, and that this, as shocking and as, as terrible as it was, it was almost like you, it, it was a trigger that woke you up to hey, I want to be the person that I've always always been and want to be and never quite yeah. was, and now I am. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it totally, it absolutely does. Yeah, it absolutely does. I, uh, and it didn't happen overnight, right? It happened over a period of time in which I was realizing, oh, man, I, I, uh, I am really freaking vibrant. I am... I am the person, I am the friend who somebody will call and say, I can really have this ticket to, you know, some, some odd art thing and it's in the Bronx or I'm, you know, classic example, like, and I will just say, yes. I'm like, yes, let's do that. Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, and I'm a, and I realized like, I'm, I do want to, I love running my business. I love doing the work that I'm doing. Um, I think I just went off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's life, isn't it? We go off on tangents. It totally, happens. I just tangent. Yep, yep. There we go. Hello. What, Michael? What are we talking about? <laughs> I was just, well, I was just talking about the fact that, you know, we, we talk about reinventing ourselves. Well, yeah. you know, but really we, anyway, you're an example in my book of, of finding your or rediscovering your authentic self and god knows you know as we go through life and we grow up and we get conditioned by this and that and then we start wanting to be like our families want us to be you know the right. society wants us to be and then you know so we end up being like this it's a bit of a perversion or a distortion of the person we really are uh, right. i mean you know yes. and sometimes it takes a catastrophic uh, event to actually go to help us to go, oh my God, hey, you know what? 
damn it, I'm just going to be myself. And what does that mean? It means I want to be joyful. I want to have a great community around me. I want to have a practice that I really, really, you know, feeds my my life force, which is basically what sounds like the running does for you. Um, Yeah. And and so on and so forth. You've got your own business now instead of working for the for the man, so to speak. For the man, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Now I'm working. Yeah, now I'm working for the hardest boss I ever had myself. <laughs> yeah, right. like, that's another story. That's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so basically, um, what you know for the audience' sake as well. Again, what what habits or practices? Wow especially those that you do regularly, help you to be successful? So I, um, I stay connected with my friends and my family. Uh, I pretty much have every other day communication with my mom because she is such a... Um, source of strength and inspiration and laughter for me um she could still call me out on my shit um and uh I stay connected with my friends and I intentionally you know try to just keep my head on um so connections is a big one uh I also, this is kind of a new thing for me, and sometimes I'm better at it than other times, Um, but uh, I try to slow down and sit in the moment where I'm feeling completely overwhelmed, sometimes demotivated, sometimes absolutely still because I can't figure out what what to freaking do. Like, you know, this is being an entrepreneur, a successful woman in New York City is not easy. Um, it's scary and, um, sometimes uncomfortable and I'm trying to honor that, that space by just sitting in it and allowing myself to realize that the answers will come. Right. I mean, last week was a great example. I went to Vermont for a running camp for the week and I didn't have an objective of like, okay, (laughs) what have you been, what, what's, what's next on your radar screen for work stuff? Like what's kind of plugging you in right now? But what happened is I just got re-inspired by the people around me and have come out with some really cool ideas. So it's kind of sitting in that, that fog. Um, and, um, you know, running clearly, that's a no brainer. Um, and, Staying plugged into communities and the work that I really love in New York, primarily, um, and then I have some incredible work in DC. You know, I'm uh, that's important to me. I'm on the uh, I'm on a board for an organization called She Says, which is all about supporting women in the creative industry um, globally. Um, I'm working with the USA Free UNHCR, which um, is you know supporting refugees, which is the largest humanitarian crisis in the world right now. Um, and I've done some work with the Washington Ballet. So it's just making sure I'm doing the work that I love um, with people. Yeah. Well, I think Um, what you're doing is you're contributing to others. And uh, Yeah, I hope. Well, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are in various (laughs) ways as well. I mean, you know, the worst thing that a a person can do is if, if things are difficult in their lives is to sort of 
wallow in it. Um, and right. the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is to actually reach out, which you did, mm-hmm. also, uh, to give to others as well. So you get outside yourself as well. That helps. Uh, for, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I also take yeah, it does. the stillness is important. Uh, having lived in New York myself for a few years, I, I, I admire you. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe. Of, <laughs> just, it, I mean, it, I, I, descri- I used to describe getting out of, uh, at the end of a, of a week of being in New York of, um, and going back to California as I'm going from heaven and hell to, to heaven. And the, the, yeah. the, the heaven and hell was yeah. Manhattan. <laughs> yes, totally. So I, I totally, so like, I get it. So I live in Brooklyn now. So if I leave, I'll, I'll say this and people will start laughing. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm leaving the city for the weekend. And then they're like, where the hell are you going? I'm like, Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to Brooklyn, people. It's freaking awesome out here. It's, it's you know, a totally different community to me. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So. Good. So what, so what are your goals and aspirations for the next few years then? Uh, so a couple of things come to mind. Um, this is such a big, hairy, audacious goal. I haven't even done the math behind it, but I'm going to put it out there because it's so huge. But um, I, on a physical front, I want to be, so I'm running this, my second New York City Marathon. I will be um, 47 when I cross that finish line. And I actually want to be in the top 10% of my age group for finishers. I have no idea what that means. I'm not going to go down the wormhole of what that means statistically, just putting it out there. Um, And I have to figure out the connection between being a leadership coach and running. Um, I, part of the work that I do is run retreats and design retreats. And I think that there is a place for that. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, And uh, I also, and so, and last week at this running camp in Crossroad, Vermont, it became so apparent to me how important it is for, um, you know, I'm late forties for women to be supported and acknowledged as leaders through the generations. And there's some piece of work I want to do there. Um, you know, this camp had women from her teens to seventies and we were all lead, we were all learning through different ways through each other, how they're leading their running life and how they're leading their lives. And so there's a piece of generational conversation that I want to lead. Um, so women truly support and we get rid of any baggage we have around assumptions across generations, um, good, bad, or indifferent. Cause I think that that truly is the way we're going to make the world better is through women being leaders, not saying men don't have a role, but there is, there's a need for that. Um, so something yeah. there. That's fantastic. Yeah. I like what you're saying there about the, the cross generational. I mean, personally, I think there's, uh, especially for the young people of today, there's a there's a tremendous value that older people can bring to yeah. them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as yeah. mentors, uh, the wisdom that you gain, uh, hopefully over a, a long life, um, and to give that sort of support, and at the same time, the older people being able to acknowledge the energy, yeah. the, the vision, and the the free and, and if you like, allow for the freedom of those young people, young women to express themselves rather than, 
you know, <laughs> kind of like pretend to be the know-it-all because it's different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's so, I mean, when I hire people to work with me um, on a part-time basis, I am only hiring younger women because I have so much to learn from them. Like technology is not going anywhere. Speed of information exchange is not going anywhere. The globalism is not going anywhere. And these women who I get to work with are teaching me so much that I, they're my, they're my, they're my peers right now, right? Like they're the peer set that will push me to be better, stay knowledgeable, stay relevant. Right. Um, and of course I have things to share too, but um, yeah. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to ask you one final question. Yeah. Um, so actually two questions. First of all, for the audience might've been interested in that author you uh, so enthusiastically oh, yeah. uh, recommend. Can you spell her name, please? Sure. It's, um, Chandra. I don't, don't want to miss Chandra. I'm just looking at it in my bookcase right now. S H O N. It's Chanda. Sorry about that. S H O N D A R H I M E S. And the book is year of yes. R H I M E S. Okay. Sandra rhymes. Okay. The book of yes. Year of yes. The year of yes. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and now to my last question, which is where based on your, extraordinary journey i think it is a heroic journey and congratulations thank i'm you. actually incredibly proud of you and thrilled for you oh, and just so the audience you, uh, that uh, knows this i actually uh, have not talked to kimberly or seen her for i would say 11 years mm-hmm. about 11 years yeah we yep. knew each other in new york all those years ago and uh since then we haven't uh, connected now we have, and I am truly, knowing you as I did then and the person you've become, I'm so proud of you. So uh, oh, thank uh, you, Michael. Tip, tip my hat to you. And um, the, oh. the last question is based on your journey. What are the one or two most important pieces of advice that you'd like to share with the audience? So they, yeah, they come from my grandma Ruth, Grandma Ruth Howard. Um, my mom's mom and actually my middle name's Ruth as well. And, uh, two things are always on my mind. Um, first of all, I'm wearing red lipstick in this interview because she was always, uh, she was super strong, well put together, um, woman. And two things that she said to me that I always remember is (laughs) one, keep your own bank account, Kimberly, no matter what keep your own bank account. So I do that regardless of where I am in my life. I have my own money in my own name, mine. Um, the other thing is that she said to me, cause sometimes I would make decisions about my career or where I was going to move that might've made others scratch their head. But my grandmother Ruth always said to me, uh, can really no matter, I always know no matter what, somehow you always land on your feet. And so far she's right and it's it's interesting you say that thank you for for those uh pieces of advice i think that uh you know you your life is evidence of the fact you do land on your feet and also i think to extrapolate from that uh yeah if 
people in general have the courage to right. follow their, their true calling and their true self in life, which means taking risks, which means jumping into the unknown, then mm -hmm. you typically land on your feet. And that's yeah. very encouraging to know. And you certainly have. Yeah. I just want to thank you very much for this uh, conversation, Kimberly. Um, it's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed catching up with you. Michael, it's been fantastic. Thank you also for honoring my story and me. Yeah. And you are a fantastic human being to have this series and to honor so many other people's stories as well. Um, so thank you for what you're putting out in the world because I think so many people will connect to to all of your podcasts. Well, thank you. Great. Well, uh, I will see you soon. We'll stay connected now, yeah? Uh, yeah. Hopefully I'll see you in New York sometime, sooner or later. Yeah. I can't wait to come back. It's been too long. So, uh, okay, I'm going to uh, finish this now. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, I'll be sending out my next podcast in the next few days. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kimberly. Take care.